0: Katie Halper Show, got to talk into the mic. You know, I often suggest that my my co-hosts and um, my guests laugh into the mic, but I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I sometimes don't speak into the mic. If it's a Wednesday at 6 or sometime after 6, it's the Katie Halper Show. Today is July 6th, two days after the birthday of these United States of America and just five days before the birthday of the not-so-United States of Katie Halper.
1: Oh, I hope everybody took note of that, all right? Because we need you guys to join the Facebook page. We need you to bomb the page with happy birthdays, happy birthdays. Ms. Helps. for Miss Katie Halps. For Miss
0: Katie Halps. And, of course, I'm speaking with my co-host, my co-pilot, Gabe Pacheco.
1: That's me, the number one co-pilot, Gabriel Guadalupe Pacheco. I'm here, you know, and uh, I'm, j- I'm so excited to be here because I didn't think I'd make it. I went to Far Rockaways for the 4th of July, so far away. Practically took me two days on the train to get back to my home in Greenpoint. That's right. That's another Easter egg for people listening. I live in Greenpoint, and uh, it was. It, you get, everybody should go at least once before you, uh, before they get washed away by climate change.
0: Before they do, or the Rockaways. The Rockaways. Oh, got it. Everybody Could should go. to a person too. Who beautiful,
1: knows? beautiful beach. You look I, tan. Thank you, thank you. I only saw two uh, two uh, used baby diapers. That's at low. the high tide mark. Wow, that it, is
0: not Orchard Beach. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be confused with the Richard Beach.
1: Yeah. So. So. Anyway, that's that was my Fourth of July.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. A- and Reggie Johnson, our uh, our chief engineer.
2: Hello. How's
0: it going? Um. Good. Good. good,
2: good awesome. Good, good. Awesome.
0: I just wanted to tell you guys it's true. My birthday, seven eleven, July eleventh, and um, it's really cool and beautiful because I just bought an unlimited weekly Metro card. And now every time I swipe it, it says expires on 7-Eleven. Seeing expires on 7-Eleven is not a good look.
1: You don't do the monthly, you do the weekly. The weekly. See, you, is that fear your commitment?
0: Because I go upstate, some, I go out of the city sometimes, because I need a break from these streets. Anyway, our show today is so great. Here's what we got for you. Ready? We got journalist Max Blumenthal. Hillary Clinton had to condemn him by name this week. Guys, Max Blumenthal is breaking his silence what it's like being called a nuisance a public nuisance that's not what she said she said that what he said was wrong in all senses so max is giving us an exclusive post clinton chastisement
1: if if that was a quote that i got from her i would put it uh on the back of my my comedy album oh my
0: god yeah it would be the best that i haven't put out
1: yet but that i would i would put that quote on there
0: so Again, she condemned him by name. Max Blumenthal is breaking a silence, giving us an exclusive interview about the article that he wrote that was read around the world, or at least around Clinton campaign staff and various Israeli-Palestinian interested circles. Then we're going to be talking to Carl Diggler, who's half a comedic character, and also, what, 80-something percent of the time, a statistically correct predictor of elections,
1: like a modern day uh, Nostradamus. A Nostra
0: Nostraduist. I don't even know what that meant. We'll Not, we'll go we'll with We'll go it. with that. Let's pretend it never set, happened. We'll definitely cut that out of the podcast. Tweet us your questions, tag me at Katie Helps and use the hashtag Katie Helps Show. And we'll we'll g- share the questions. Gabe looks so suspicious right now. Well, there's a very um what's the word? side eye. I'm getting some side eye. Side eye of love. Gabe mm-hmm. doesn't like it when I take down the fourth wall. He's gonna tell me I'm a snitch, and you know what happens to the snitches? They get stitches. Exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, so what if someone calls in and reports us as being in a, like domestically violent situation?
1: Who knows? Who knows? Uh, let's add some. Let's add some spice to the show. <laughs> okay. When are we gonna get the call-ins? We got to get a hotline number for just uh, the ordinary listener.
0: Oh, we do have to people. start doing that. If you care about the Katie Halper show, and we know that you do because you're here listening to us right now, right? Follow us on SoundCloud. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us some nice ratings, write a review, and give us some stars. You have two choices. You can either give us five stars, or you can give us one Jewish star of David with six points, a la Trump. Let's have a—Gabe, I feel like I need one of your, your like, rah-rah cheerleader things. Not to put you on the spot— what what's
1: going on? Are we yes. do we need to get our yes. first guest in here? Um,
0: almost. I need what, to set What are we, them gonna, up. Do? What are we <laughs> gonna do? What are we gonna
1: do before we do that? I want to just say, uh, you know, I you know, I woke. I'm sorry if I'm a little bummed out today. You know, the no, first thing I do is bummed. I wake up and on Facebook I see uh, uh, just more instances of police brutality uh, every day, and uh, you know I just feel like uh, really bummed out about what just happened in Louisiana with um, Mr. Sterling uh, being killed on film on video uh, by the police down there. And just I just hope that we have an opportunity to uh, address that and uh, address the issue of police brutality in this country. Uh, and I hope that our presidential candidates um, talk about that they're not going to talk about that
0: you don't think so
2: no they won't because it won't be in their best interest they're just going to ignore it like they usually do and keep it moving they're going to act like everything is all right everything is equal everything is okay um this is the greatest country in the world while all this stuff is going on they're not going to do anything different than they usually do because they're that detached both of them you mean Both Trump and Clinton? Both of them.
0: Okay, good. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, for all of our African-American listeners and people of color, uh, I just want you guys to know that uh, I saw that this morning. I'm bummed out by it. And I, uh, you know, I hope that... Well, that should
2: be for everyone. For everyone. It is for
1: everyone. everyone it is. But any, also, everyone. yeah.
0: Because also the people who do it, who are of all um, backgrounds. A, uh, rainbow a rainbow coalition. rainbow coalition of, of police brutality. Yeah. Um, offenders brutalizers brutalizers yeah police brutalizers um yeah we want to make sure everyone knows about that you know what i asked gabe to give us an upper and did (laughs) he did he deliver or what i mean i i'm I'm only sorry that there's not a major genocide or holocaust that also happened today
2: it was poignant
0: it was poignant i definitely had an emotional response um So
2: maybe not the one you want, but you got one. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was the opposite direction. But sometimes you need that because now that I went all low, I'm going to have to go high. Um, Are we are we ready to bring on our first guest? I just want to tell you something about Max. Max Blumenthal. This is a guy who's always getting people in trouble. He's a notorious. (laughs) He's notorious. And he's been called um, anti-Israel. He's been called one of the world's most noxiously self-hating, virulent anti-Semites. He's an author, journalist, and a blogger. He's a senior writer for Alternet and formerly a writer for The Daily Beast, Al-Akbar, and Media Matters for America. He's the author of three books, Republican Gomorrah, Inside the Movement That Shattered the Party, Goliath, Life and Loathing in Greater Israel, and The 51 Day War, Ruin and Resistance in Gaza.
1: Republican Gomorrah, which was (laughs) so, so good. I think that everybody should read it if they want Uh, background and sort of like the uh, psychosexual nature of the politicians in the Republican Party.
0: Max, you there? I'm here. Max, thank you so much for joining us. We just read your bio. You missed it, but you probably know all about it.
3: Well, uh, it's good to be on with you, and we need to eliminate this echo, echo,
0: because often I hate
3: the sound of my own voice.
0: Oh, wow. So you are self-loathing, just not about being Jewish.
3: I just hated on... On uh, speakers, but in person, you know, the um, self-loathing is gone, and I'm very narcissistic.
1: Oh, okay. What's, what's up, Max uh, Blumenthal? It's me, Gabe Pacheco. I'm here in the building, too.
3: Gabe, good to hear from
1: you. Oh, I got the echo
3: again.
0: Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, what are we going to do about that? Uh, you know what, Max? You're not in Gaza. Things are not so bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Next, <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. anytime. If Max says anything... Uh, plaintiff. I'll just be like, really? Well, Sounds like a lot of non-Palestinian privilege. Well, right he there. should
2: know that his work is respected here at WBAI. Right. And his name is very familiar to the listeners here at uh, WBAI because he definitely speaks truth to power and he, he he speaks it because it's the right thing to do and not just because is sometimes it may not be the populist thing to do, but he definitely does the right thing. Max, and that's did you hear that? Expect. You just
0: got a great blurb from Reggie Johnson. Do you know Reggie?
2: I, I don't, but I, w- I want
3: to know him, and I think, uh, you know, I want to know him more than I already know you guys. So
0: you want to know him more than you he yeah, know he's
3: got a, guy, right. he's got a smooth voice, yeah. and I got a better endorsement from him than I've ever gotten from <laughs> you, so I'm oh, just going to be Max,
0: I've been, waiting
3: I've been, on that after the show.
0: I've been tracking you down for, to come on the show for... For years, ever since our, the, the the second uh, the temple,
3: ever since the Bar Kokhba rebellion, yes, the Bar Kokhba rebellion. Saying, yeah,
0: yeah. I, he was such an angry guy, such a, such yeah. a he had a lot of well, it. If you want to call it's it, it's not high like tea, there, not there no
3: is tea. anything like Masada in present day uh, in the present day Middle East,
0: right? Or Masad. You're welcome. Well, that's what
3: I thought that clicking sound was.
0: What, Masad clicking? Oh, all right. You know what? I don't want to get. I don't want the, the the media that we run to to cut us off. So, moving right along, I wanted to talk to you, Max, about a really excellent article you just wrote at Alternet about Ellie Visell. If we can
3: do something about the echo, it would be great.
0: Can you get headphones or something? Or all right, Max, you're already such Let a popular Let me uh, try figure. putting
3: on some headphones real
0: quick. Okay. So by the oh, way, Max, we're live. We're live, by the way. Just so you know, this is yeah, live. Yeah, I know. Okay, I
3: know. I just usually do a sound
2: check.
0: You can laugh You listen
2: Yeah, you should. You should WBI, put a headset on or not some sort. A sound check.
0: This is an RT. So you won't
2: get. So you won't be uh, put off by the feedback.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. This it's- is
2: live radio, folks. If you haven't figured uh, this out let's, already, let's so let's see how
0: this goes. All right.
3: So, but you know, Lee Wiesel is very well known. Um, he is the sort of. Singular face and voice of the Holocaust, and when he died, I, you know, was really critical of him because of, I don't think he had a very positive legacy, um, and I thought that he provided moral cover to some of the worst atrocities that we've witnessed in our lives, um, and I was, you know, accused of basically saying something that was tantamount to Holocaust denial because apparently there are no other you know, traditions of interpreting the Holocaust aloud outside of Wiesel's, who, you know, is a figure who's marketed to not just Jewish Americans, but mainstream America through this very vast commercial apparatus, right. including Oprah Winfrey. Um, and, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's not a coincidence um, that you see kind of criticism from people on the margins, criticism that's indisputable, um, about his support for military interventions in the Middle East, his incitement against Palestinians, and fulsome praise from the elites who really relied on him for, for political cover. And that was really what I was trying to get to in my piece for Alternate.
0: And the article is called, It is Important to Have Perspective on Elie Wiesel's Legacy. Officially remembered as a moral giant, Wazel provided cover to the invasions and occupations that have devastated the Middle East. It's pretty understated. But, no, uh, but I
3: mean, on tw- on Twitter, I was more scathing, which is, you know, what happens on Twitter, right?
0: Know? Or when you're That's doing it. our show and you're an echo. Uh,
3: that would be a scathing attack on you that I'll save for off air. But... <laughs>
0: oh, that that we are we thought we already had it. Wow, thanks for the self control, Max. No, we do appreciate it. But you make this very <laughs> interesting point about how you yourself used to look up to Ellie Wiesel and you read his his book Night. Um. But I think that the part of your article that really, I thought, crystallized everything that I think is wrong with the kind of the industry of, um, of being possessive about the Holocaust is, you write, Wiesel seemed to view the other victims group victimized groups as competitors in an oppression Olympics, fretting that widespread recognition of the atrocities they suffered would sap his own moral power. The universalist credo, never again to anyone, was a threat to his saintly status, his celebrity, and his bottom line. And you actually talk about how he, um, as a member of the advisory council of the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum in 92, he lobbied against recognizing LGBTQ and Roma victims of the Holocaust. That, I have to say, yeah. shocked me. I thought he was kind of your your normal, um, I love human beings as long as they're not Palestinians. But he goes, it takes it a step further.
1: The Roma that aren't really recognized by anybody except Romania right now.
0: Right.
3: To this day, yeah, and and, and who are still suffering in, in just incredible persecution in Europe. I mean, they've been ethnically cleansed from France. Um, they're beaten on the streets. Um, and there's this enormous, there's this huge tidal wave of incitement against them that kind of parallels the incitement you hear against refugees from the Middle East. So, this is this is true. Uh, Elie Wiesel saw Roma and. Gay victims of the Holocaust as people who could as groups that could possibly compromise the uh, moral his own moral power as a Jewish survivor of the Holocaust and who um, would compromise the um, kind of recognition that the recognition that Jews had gained as the ultimate victims of history. And in doing so, uh, this, this was kind of consistent with Wiesel's portrayal of himself as a kind of saint of Holocaust theology. After the Holocaust, there were a number of, the, uh, of philosophers who, were including, who included Wiesel, who were very influential, um, particularly among the neoconservative trend, who argued that the Holocaust was a rebuke to the merciful God that was traditional to Judaism, and that Jews needed to adopt a kind of secular theology, uh, based, rooted in the Holocaust, um, history, there was, pre, in history, there was pre-Auschwitz and post-Auschwitz. Right. Um, and the Holocaust kind of hovered around it and existed outside of it, and it situated Jews permanently within the confines of the anti-Semitic gaze of the Gentile other, uh, which is incredibly dangerous, and it also fueled support for Israel as this kind of walled in Spartan state. That would protect Jews from another Holocaust. And Wiesel was the kind of the figure who could commune with the souls of the dead of the Holocaust, someone who who understood understood the theology because he lived through the death camps of Buchenwald and Auschwitz, and no one else could understand it but him, Um, which not only gave him enormous moral power to defend anything and everything Israel did, Israel, the kind of state that was supposed to deliver Jews from catastrophe, but it also made him uh, an enormous celebrity who could rake in millions of dollars to himself and his own foundation uh, by talking about the Holocaust and imparting its lessons to a completely uncritical public.
0: Just to read some more quotes of what you... said, you said, with Wiesel's death, the elites who relied on him for moral cover leapt at the opportunity to claim his legacy. Meanwhile, the teachings and testimonies of Holocaust survivors who insisted on applying the lessons of the genocide universally, including to Palestinians, remained confined to the margins. Um, right. Yeah. And, and it, what's interesting is, and there's a great article about about the response, because let's we should back up a little bit and explain that this uh, provoked a response from... Um, from Jack Sullivan, senior policy advisor to Hillary Clinton, not just a, a spokesman, policy advisor who said, quote, Secretary Clinton emphatically rejects these offensive, hateful, and patently absurd statements about Ellie Wazell. She believes they are wrong right. in all senses of the term. She believes that Max Blumenthal and others should cease and desist in making them, Sullivan said. So did you officially just get a cease and desist from the Clinton campaign?
3: Yeah, I don't know if that's a legal order. I don't understand the uh, ramifications of a cease and desist order. This right. is something you tend to get from a court when you're stalking somebody. Um, but I thought the most uh, uh, curious part of their statement was that what I had said was patently absurd. Right. Um, you know, Here's what I said about Elie Wiesel, that he aggressively supported illegal Jewish settlers who removed Palestinians from their homes and occupied East Jerusalem? He was on the board of an organization called Elad, uh, which does precisely that in Israel, um, behind the cover of archaeology. And he's uh, attacked Barack Obama and challenged Barack Obama on his call for Israel to stop building settlements in East Jerusalem. I pointed out that Eli Wiesel had taken after he lost his millions that he'd accumulated as a Holocaust celebrity to Bernard Madoff, that he immediately rushed the cornerstone church, the church of pastor John Hagee in San Antonio, Texas. Um, pastor John Hagee, someone who is an anti-gay fanatic who has said that Hitler was a half breed Jew. Uh, he's written that. Someone has and to this say not, it, Max. Uh, yeah, I guess it then leave it up to pastor John Hagee, right leading Christian Zionist, the leading evangelical supporter of Israel, to make these anti-Semitic statements. I mean, these statements were well-known. They were so well-known that Senator John McCain retracted or rescinded Hege's endorsement in
0: 2008.
3: Right. But Wiesel went to his church anyway, after he lost his millions, to collect a half-million-dollar speaking fee for one speech, and he called Hagee his dear pastor. So I pointed that out. Um, another thing I pointed out was that Eli Wiesel, in a full-page ad that went out under the banner of Rabbi Shmuley Boteach's nonprofit? Um, while Palestinians were being slaughtered in the Gaza Strip in the summer of 2014, um, this is when 551 children were killed, mostly at home, uh, by high-powered Israeli weapons. Eli Wiesel accused those children's parents of ritual child sacrifice and referred to Palestinians as Molokites, um,
0: Can you explain that? Reference? Savages
3: who do not love their children as much as Jews do. Now, just imagine if someone had taken out a full page ad in the New York Times claiming that Jewish victims of pogroms um, were actually, you know, committing child ritual sacrifice by giving their bodies to the uh, Gentile, the, the the rampaging Cossacks. Right. Would that person be honored? I mean, would that person live on in memory and be hailed as a moral giant by Barack Obama? Of course not. So what we're seeing here with um, the condemnation of Hillary Clinton is um, the sense that the lives of those children who were killed in Gaza don't matter. No one, not one single person can contend with the substance of my arguments and criticisms about Elie Wiesel because they're completely factual. We see them in complete and utter denial about the facts I introduced. They're just offended because he was a secular saint, a kind of post-war Moses who interceded uh, between the Western world and this Holocaust that increasingly substituted for the merciful God.
0: Right. I didn't know that the Jewish God was ever that merciful.
3: Well, yeah, there's a pretty wrathful God in the Old Testament who commits genocide again and again, but there's also a God of mercy, Um, named
0: Jesus Christ.
3: And yeah, there there are different portrayals of Jesus. I mean, the Jesus that past the Jesus that Pastor Hagee really likes um, it comes from the Book of Revelation. Right. And you know, if you don't convert to Christianity, um, if you or I don't convert. Ah, uh, before the end times, we're going to burn in an everlasting lake of fire, and you know, if yeah, you get in an everlasting, of if escape. it lasts forever, we'll probably get used to it.
0: That's true. We're very resilient, and we develop tolerance, like all other beings. As Shylock says, "If you put us in eternal hell, do we not adapt?" But um, don't some of us save? Get saved? Don't some of us make it? Oh, we can. We convert, right?
3: 144,000 uh, kind of chosen ones make it according to the left behind series right. of Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins. So right. there's that uh, Kirk Cameron i was going to say we got to get gonna, Kirk we, on the We show. can hang out with Kirk Cameron after. But in any case if the rapture occurs the the on the other hand we'll get all of the gentiles cars.
0: Right. That would be cool. Didn't um, now? How did you find out that Hillary Clinton's um, someone from her campaign and a policy advisor of hers, Jack Sullivan? How did you find out that he had responded to what you had written?
3: Oh, that's that's actually a good question. I mean, I found out because it was printed in the Jerusalem Post. But I, I mean, the the question is, how did they decide to denounce me and why? Right. Um, and, you know, one question I have is whether the Jerusalem Post actually reached out to them for comment. Um, but the outrage was completely confined to the right wing. I mean, Rabbi Shmuley was, who was, you know, a far right figure, ran for as a Republican in Congress in New Jersey and, you know, couldn't get elected dog catcher. So he lost. You he just quoted Donald Trump. Funded.
0: That's what Donald Trump said about Marco Rubio. Love it. Great
3: callback. Well, you know, a little shmuley, uh <laughs> couldn't couldn't get elected either, even shmuley. though he had millions from Sheldon Adelson. Right. Anyway, the point is, he was he was sending out mass emails demanding Hillary Clinton denounce me. Uh, Breitbart had an article that had trended on Facebook, or my name trended on Facebook. Oh for yeah, two you were days, trending on Facebook. Thanks for that article. Tough. Yeah, I mean, who cares that like hundreds of Iraqis were killed in an ISIS bombing? Like my name trended.
0: You're much more dangerous. over Ellie over
3: Ellie Riesel, but um, the, the, the question is not only how do they come to denounce me, and I think it was through right wing pressure uh, and pressure from the pro-Israel donors who surround her, figures like Haim Saban, who mm-hmm. provide a substantial amount of individual contributions to her campaign. Um, and it was also uh, there's, a, there's also the question of why,
4: mm-hmm.
3: because you know, I met Hillary Clinton once in my life. I was 16 years old. We spoke for about 30 seconds. I have no relationship with her. Um, the person who has a relationship with her is my father. Um, and so, you know, at the children of people who are, um, you know, and my father has been an advisor to Bill Clinton and has, some, has a role on the Clinton campaign, I guess an outside role. Um, so, I mean... It's kind of a bizarre attenuated connection, right. but they felt compelled to denounce me because of the right-wing pressure, and it shows who can pressure Hillary
4: Clinton.
3: Mm. has uh, fought tooth and nail to resist left-wing pressure uh, from Bernie Sanders and his supporters, and that's kind of what you see over the convention platform debate, especially on the issue of admitting that an occupation of Palestine exists.
0: Right. We had Rania Kalak on last week, and we talked about that with her. And I'm just, I am blown away by the quote-unquote progressives on Twitter and social media and just out and about in the open who are basically complaining that Sanders is pushing the platform to make it more progressive. I I find that such a weird tell. Like, I'm just amazed by the PR fail that is saying that.
3: Why would we want low-wage workers to get paid more? Um, but, you know, the point is they've resisted this. Um, and you see that, you know, convention the, the Clinton um, convention platform member Neera Tandon is oh, yeah. a perfect example of someone who's resisting progressive change. But someone who has been involved for years and years and years in catering to the right-wing pro-Israel lobby, doing whatever they want. Ah, uh, she oversaw the firing or the forcing out of several staffers at Think Progress, which is the blog of the Center for American Progress, right. who had criticized Israel um, in factual terms, and who had uh, written some really important pieces with important research about the push for a war with Iran by the pro-Israel lobby. So it's just clear to me that um, the you know right wing forces, which are, more embedded in the Republican party are able to move Hillary Clinton than progressive forces from the Sanders campaign. And you know what you, her denunciation of me is just one example of
0: that. Right. Were you d- just admit it though? Did you blush a little bit? I mean, I
3: expected it to happen sooner or later. I thought it would come sooner.
0: Right. It's my turn. Uh, As Hillary said in the, in, the, in the Doug Henwood book.
3: Oh yeah. I'll, well, my turn was by Nancy Reagan, so anyway, yeah. But this he is my ref- turn.
0: Yeah. Okay. But he refers to that in his book, anyway. Stop being such a, a socially um, ingratiating lubricant, Max Blumenthal. Um, <laughs> it's getting old. All right. Well, M- Max, we would love you to have you on again. Any any last thoughts you want to share? Um, what's going to happen with the election? What's going to happen with the conventions?
3: Well, I'll. I mean, what I think needs to happen at the DNC is to continue to push on the issue of Palestine, um, and to, and to expose the rift between, uh, Hillary Clinton and her donors and the popular base of the democratic party that really represents the future of the party and the movement that made Bernie Sanders a household name. And uh, I'll be involved in that outside of the, um, outside of the convention. I'll be doing an event on Palestine, i know Medea benjamin will be involved in talking about um you know other human rights issues we'll have an expert on honduras oh, and i Venice think we'll have someone about this we'll have someone talking about yemen um so this is in the works and i think you know it's just important to recognize that uh, for, i mean for me my, i i i the way i keep perspective on this is by looking at not only the poll numbers i know carl Digler is an expert pollster um, which show that a majority of younger Democrats uh, do, do not favor Israel over Palestine, that they did not support Israel's assault on the Gaza Strip in 2014, which left 100,000 homes either partially or totally destroyed, the assault that Elie Wiesel fulsomely supported, um, and that most people in the world, when I travel outside the United States, agree with me wholeheartedly. The Palestinians deserve equal rights. So this is just one issue we can push on. The, the minimum wage is another issue. Climate change is another issue. Keystone XL is another issue. TPP, mm-hmm. all, of the, all of these issues uh, are opportunities for people because Hillary Clinton is out of step with her base and with the future of her party,
4: Max, and
0: she's
3: catering uh, entirely to oligarchs.
0: Yeah, but uh, it's easy for you to say that because you're a man. Uh, something that right, you don't right. get because you're not a woman is that um, oligarchy catering is actually like we can't re- we're not socially accepted if we don't do that like we can't get a date right um, we just get well, shunned and yeah yeah you want to be
3: where the boys are
0: yeah we do we like, want to be where the boys no, are yeah.
3: Well, yeah well if you're if you're with if you're for Bernie you want to be where the boys are
0: I know I'm already um, there that's why I'm with Bernie
3: and you know there's a special place in hell for people who are disgusted by rising inequality.
0: I know, and but, it's right uh, next to... It's not as hot as this, the place in hell for um, people who justify sanctions against Iraqis that kill 500,000 children. And that, of course, is where Madeleine Albright will be spending her time. Too soon. Too burnish. Burnie.
3: In any case, uh, if there's any silver lining here, it's that I'll no longer be falsely accused of being a friend of Hillary.
0: Oh, yeah, you guys. This is breaking news, Max. Blumenthal no longer uh, falsely accused of being a friend of Hillary. And I have to say, Max, we hung out a little bit at the DNC in 08, and I have to say you've come a long way.
3: Uh, Well, so have you.
0: Thanks. (laughs) Oh, lovely times. Okay, well, Max, thank you so much for coming on the show. We'll talk to you again We'll talk to you more about the, you know, we talked about the political side. Next, we have to look at the personal side of what it's like to have never have been friends with Hillary Clinton and, ha- and losing that friendship that never was there. Because I imagine that's a real blow.
3: It's, you know, it's absolutely devastating.
0: <laughs> I'm definitely um, going to make a clip out of this. Um, all right. Alright, and Max Blumenthal, you're just Max Blumenthal on Twitter, follow him, and I also want to suggest that you read um, Speech Boy on Twitter, or Michael Cohen, because he has some really persuasive um, ideas about the insignificance of minimum wage, and how it really doesn't matter, um, it's all symbolic, which makes the fact that Clinton's people fought it so hard that, that much weirder.
3: Yeah, I'm, f- I'm familiar with him through, uh, well, no one's familiar with him through any writing he does, and I don't know what his job is, but... I'm familiar with him through his notion that Jews who disagree with him are anti-Semites. Yeah. Um, So, uh, yeah, follow him for a good...
0: uh, For a good time.
3: You know, a good hate browse.
0: Yeah. All right. Thanks, Max. All right. Thanks 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 so much for having me. Thank you. And everyone read Max's article on the alternate. Follow him on, on Twitter. Guys, Max had to leave early. I mean, not early, but he couldn't stay because he couldn't hang because we have a guest in the studio right now. You may have heard of him. His name is Carl Digler. and he's a man of mystery, of talent, of predictive powers. And again, he's someone who really likes to see both sides. He has a site called 638, and he also writes at cafe.com. Carl, welcome.
5: How are you doing, Pam?
0: Oh, we're so good. Thanks so much for coming. And like, I really, how old are you, Carl, if I can ask you?
5: Ah, well, a gentleman never tells, but I have been covering insider politics for 30-plus years. Uh, let's just say I've been around the block a few times.
0: Wow, well, I'm very impressed that someone of your uh, of your seasoned age would uh, say, FAM, where did you learn that expression?
5: Ah, well, I mean, if you're not evolving as a pundit, then there, you simply have no business prognosticating about primaries, uh, writing think pieces about millennials, or r- obsessively replying to female reporters on Twitter.
0: Interesting. Okay, yeah, I think that those are all adages that we try to live by. So, Carl, what makes you tick? What got you into this into this writing business? Uh, got you into the Beltway? Made you a Beltway insider for for so many decades?
5: Well, I grew up a bit of a latchkey kid. My uh, my father, Colonel John Dickler, was a very firm man. He was always on work assignments in Cambodia, Chile, uh, nations like this during the nineteen seventies and eighties. And uh, I found myself raised by the TV, namely the McLaughlin Group. That's a great show. <laughs> it Oh, I was on the edge of my seat as a boy. Uh, I just, every day, I hope to sort of bring back that magic and that energy that so energized us. But I remember, you know, in the 1980s, as a, as a boy, I was polling classmates about John Anderson's radical moderation. <laughs> as uh, a Wellesley boy, I was on the debate team and... You know, I, I ended up at the Minnetonka Daily Bugle and eventually became their D.C. correspondent and uh, was nominated for numerous Freedom Awards in 2001 and 2002 for my exposés about Pat Tillman's heroics at Pop Warner Football.
0: And uh, How did you get into Wellesley, by the way? I was part of an experimental program. A, the Being the all-women's college, of course, where Hillary Clinton actually went.
5: Yeah. Yes, uh, it's one thing that me and Hillary have in common, except I do not
0: commit email
5: felonies.
0: Oh, I, wow. You're gonna, you're, you're, you think she really did it, huh?
5: Ah, uh, well, the crime of emailing Sidney Blumenthal carries the weight of 99 life sentences.
0: According to the book of dig of the, the book of the dig, is that
5: correct? Correct. And I, I believe the reason that uh, Max refused to speak with me is he knows I would grill him about this. But anyway, I was part of in ex- the only coeducational ca- class at Wellesley, and
0: I think uh, we were a little bit too much for them to handle. <laughs> too much fun.
5: Yeah, uh, we had some good times. It's-
0: uh what does it make you think of uh co-education? I mean does it do you endorse single sex education or
5: Uh, you know I think that uh in any given classroom that a boy can learn mostly by impressing women, you know? I would say that 99% of love in my experiences with women stems from pity. Mm. And there's no there is no place where you can garner greater pity than in an educational institution. Uh I remember during Desert Storm, as I was an upperclassman, as Schwarzkopf was dropping the bombs on the Kuwaiti border, uh, we were dropping some bombs of our own in the senior laboratories
0: oh, wow now is that a, a bathroom humor thing or a sexual humor thing or
5: let's just say that as our young men were going off to war uh little dig was becoming a man <laughs> himself
0: are we allowed to laugh Gabe, we can laugh right
1: there was
5: laughter no no
0: no. i'm just asking i'm being serious i'm not even no shots fired no snitching i don't know if we're supposed to uh pretend that we're just uh if we're in it, I, I don't do the acting thing.
1: So, did you ever play a, a, a victim when you were at Wesley? You were, you, you got some pity points from well, the ladies. I'm against victim culture, but there is
5: nothing wrong with uh, feigning loneliness, uh, internal conflict on we, or a deep, a deep sense of consideration to cause a young lady to go up to you and go, "Wow, what's going on with this fella?"
1: yeah because you're balanced you know they're both sides of uh, of every argument and and you probably have that that in, that's the internal conflict well that
5: is that's mostly what young ladies are looking for i mean a, a younger less experienced girl may think that they want to date a partisan man and they'll date <laughs> either one of the uh racist pepe frog men on the right or a woman harasser uh for bernie sanders on the left but as they get older they will find that the experience and the moderation that comes with it is what they truly desire.
0: And have you always been a kind of um, nonpartisan man or is that, did you experiment in partisanship and dabble in it in college or any time in your life?
5: I'm proud to say my entire life I've seen both sides of the issue.
0: So what's, what are both sides of the issue now with the, with the email scandal? Well,
5: on one hand, yes. Hillary Clinton broke every single federal law imaginable with her Hotmail server, (laughs) yet on the other side, she's running against dangerous Donald.
0: And what makes Donald so dangerous?
5: Everything. I mean, you know, at the beginning we thought, yo, this is kind of silly and funny when he proposed the mass ethnic cleansing of the southwestern (laughs) United States. He said that we would murder the families of terrorists. uh, Those were certifiably viral moments. But I noticed that the tide turned when he called out my friend Michael Barbaro on Twitter. And his harassment of reporters and his supporters' continued harassment of respected journalists means that we are on the precipice of fascism.
0: Wow. What about fascism though? I mean, let's let's talk about fascism on both sides, right? So so some people are talking about the violence that are that's being committed by some Trump supporters, right? You have neo-Nazis, you have stabbings. But then a lot of really woke people. Do you know what woke means by the way?
5: Oh, I consider myself woke. <laughs> okay, good. Are you woke AF? <laughs> uh, I prefer to abstain from uh profanity, even abbreviations of it, except for in extreme times of emotional distress, but uh yeah, you could say I'm a woke cute boy whom Write a few words for a few places.
0: Uh, if we catch your drift, which we do. So we got some woke people on Twitter saying, you know, there's just too much violence on both sides. So is that a kind of Diggler-esque thing to say?
5: I could not agree with them more.
0: Do you think they're stealing your—are your? your, your are they in your lane stealing your, your perspective, kind of?
5: Well, uh, you know, I'm usually quite wary of people appropriating my experience and erasing my lived experience. But, uh— I think that I've definitely influenced these young people to see every side of the issue, to see both sides of the coin, that, uh, yeah, it's not good to be a Nazi and attack minorities and and uh, permanently maim people. But at the same time, fighting back means that you go down to their level. So if these young people want to fight back against the violent Trump people, they should cross their arms, look at them, and say... Well, you, sir, don't know how bad you look. Look at Jeb. Jeb Bush did this. No, he did not win the election, but he won a more important thing. He won our respect. Right. When Jeb pathetically tried to defend his wife from dangerous Donald's attack, no, he did not elicit an apology, and he actually exacerbated the situation with his, quote-unquote, weakness. But there's nothing weak about respectability.
0: Now, what do you think about, speaking of respectability, what do you think about Bernie Sanders?
5: worse than Trump. The same as Trump, but worse. Bernie awesome. Sanders has caused millions of WOC to be silenced.
0: That's women of color for our listeners who don't know.
5: Uh the Bernie bros are incessantly in my mentions. Uh I will say one critical thing about their candidate. It's very impartial. I will say that perhaps Bernie Sanders should wander off to a mountain to die of old age. And I will get these Bernie bros in my mentions uh saying, Carl, fill my hole. Carl, I'm going to put your son in a catapult. Carl, Colby isn't your son. Carl, Jake Tapper is raising your son. Carl, ex-Mrs. The Dig was right to leave you. Carl, you're a family court failure. Carl, you're wrong about everything. And Carl, you look terrible.
0: Wow. and is of this those, fair? Which of those hurts the most, by the way? The
5: Jake Tapper one, because it's just not true. I'm the boy's father.
1: Now, we, we've talked about fringe, uh, fringe candidate uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, perhaps, um, yeah, but what about the other fringe candidates? What about a uh, uh, Gary Johnson? How do you feel about his chances?
5: Well, Gary Johnson represents a very a sizable portion of Americans who uh, like to film themselves harassing police officers <laughs> and claiming that there aren't enough fringes on the flag for them to be persecuted in a court of law. Now, these people are usually too doped up on fentanyl tea concoctions and Oxycontin cocktails to vote come November. But this year with two polarizing candidates with high negatives, you may see Gary Johnson slide in with a higher plurality of the vote than usual as these people uh make their way around
1: the police.
0: Sounds good. And mm-hmm. Gabe, you've been listening. Have you have you not been listening to the Chapo podcasts? Oh you've yeah, been...
1: Chapo's Trap House? Yeah. The, the, the probably the most uh, woke lit uh triple hundred uh, emoji
0: Yeah, every time um, I podcast. talk to this guy about this show, he's like talk to me later, I'm listening. I don't agree like that, that
5: that podcast is any of those things.
1: I like I like the performative allyship that's going on on that podcast. They don't do any of that. They no, they're not and uh they're their complete attack on the regressive left.
0: They,
5: you think they're allies, they banned POC from their show until
0: two weeks ago. Wow. What happened two weeks ago?
5: Um, Lee Fong harassed them into going on to the show.
0: <laughs> we had him on our show.
5: I'm, I'm sorry, are you okay?
0: Yeah, he, we thought he was great.
5: He didn't harass you? He didn't send you any messages? Or, okay.
0: Yeah, it was crazy.
1: Sounds unlike him.
0: I know, I think somehow we...
1: Carl, what are some things that some policies you'd like to see enacted uh, with with the neck in the next four years? Policies.
5: Um, next
0: four years. Great question, Gabe. Love it.
5: Well, also I th- questions. I think that the uh, you know, if you look at the silent majority of Americans, they want a few things. They want balanced budgets. They want means testing for Social Security. They want the retirement age raised to about 80 or not at all. And they want military intervention in Iran. These are common sense solutions <laughs> that most Americans support.
1: Yeah, and how, how do you feel about, um, about uh, tent cities? Do we have enough tent cities in the United States? Mm, good question. Uh, we, not
5: nearly enough. I mean, we live in 2016. Everything is mobile. Phones are mobile. Uber is mobile. Dating is mobile. Dating is done via webcam now.
0: Hmm. Why would you need a house that stays in the same place? It's actually holding you back. What's the worst thing for you about Bernie Sanders? And do you think...
5: I would say his violent in-person misogyny, the misogynistic hand-waving.
0: Oh, totally, yeah. You you know, he applauded Hillary Clinton for, for, for her student debt, um plan and i just thought as a woman i felt like he never would have applauded a man that's just something it's so belittling like you're clapping at me he's basically putting his hands on my breasts and clapping them like a human mammogram
5: you're completely right katie uh he learned this technique from going to strip clubs with his (sighs) hip-hop prem killer michael (laughs) similar to throwing dollar bills at women if you think about it
0: it is that's a that's a really good point Well, uh, Carl is going to be with us not just now, but we're going to have him at our live show today at 3 Atlantic at the Brooklyn Commons. So if you have any questions for Carl, make sure you tweet at him and his his uh, handle is at Carl underscore Diggler or at me at KT helps and come on down to the show. But Carl, what are you excited about in life? What's your dating life like? What's the things that like what makes you get up in the morning?
5: Well, what makes me get up in the morning is, uh, you know, a few things. Primarily, my son, my my son, Colby, who's just a perfect round boy. I see myself in him every day and he's...
1: He's like a little doughy sphere.
5: Yeah, he's a perfect boy. He's a perfect boy. How old is Colby? Colby is 13. Just turned 13. Such a tender age.
1: Yeah, difficult time. He's going through puberty now. Yeah, I remember when I was 13.
0: Were you sexually active at that age? Uh,
5: Not with other people but you know how it goes.
0: Right. Hands-on experience. Yes. Got it. You know, you can't love other people until you love yourself. That's exactly right. Self-care is one of the most radical things you can do. Radical feminist things. Andy Anti-racist. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so, guys, come on down to the show. Carl Diggler is going to be on it. We're going to be talking to Natasha Leonard. We're going to be talking to Brendan James. Um, she is wonderful. She writes a lot about Brexit. He's wonderful. Carl I don't know if you get along with him or if he's too kind of um um in your face for your, your kind of more fair and balanced style. Brendan is
5: he could be a nice young man. He chooses to uh to associate himself with harassers, but uh I'm, I will I will tolerate him. Will <laughs> Natasha be wearing open toed shoes.
0: Hopefully she will be. I'm All not sure. Right. Um and I just wanted to say that I think you'd be proud that um or upset and nervous. I, I tweeted something the other day that, that, per, that made Joan Walsh tweet in response, uh, I don't know what you're go, whatever you're, Kate, I'm rooting for you, Katie, to get through whatever this is. You're terrific. So you and Joan should talk well, about it. Well,
5: when she said that, she represented all white people. She is the ideal spokesperson for the white race, and uh, I admire everything she has done. Yes, thank the, you. The golden mean of whiteness.
0: Yeah, yeah the cream the creamy golden mean It's
5: basically between me and her who's the best spokesperson for white people. but uh, what do know. you think
0: could bump you over the edge? Ah uh, I think
5: uh, if I you know we were in the top 20 on iTunes. if I get into the top ten this coming week, that could give me a few more points. So dig heads, press that MF download button. <laughs> yeah.
0: and where can people find your new uh, podcast?:
5: It's the dig cast on news and politics. In the iTunes podcast section. Awesome.
0: Um, okay, and guys, follow us on SoundCloud. Subscribe to us on iTunes. This has been great. We love seeing you. We're always around. We're always happy to talk to you. Carl Digler's is the best. We're going to see him tonight. Gabe and Pacheco. I'm
1: Gabe Pacheco. You can follow me at Gabe underscore Pacheco on Twitter.
0: See you guys next week. Stay woke.
5: Bye, everybody. Bye.